Season two of our dear podcast yet, but uh, <laughs> but a little uh, holdover while we uh, you know get things ready, line up some interviews. Hopefully, coming back in full in July of this year. And uh, if you've been a member of our Patreon, we have been. Uh, going this whole time with uh, exclusive Patreon episodes. Uh, so sign up for that if you'd like. Yeah, some really wild shit going on over there. Um, really, I think one of the most uh, differing things is we've been taking a lot of the ideas uh, in terms of ceremonial magic, chaos magic, um, hyper-sigilization, um, mm. and uh, sort of the um, active mythology that we talk about um, in our research episodes and in our interviews, we've been sort of taking a lot of that into practice into a sort of working that we've been chronicling on our Patreon. So if you're interested in that kind of thing and our, our Patreon yeah. subscribers have been really taking a, an active part in um, adding input, generating right. um, nodes yeah, to this working uh, yeah definitely check that out over there um and we also do some sort of like grab bag type episodes talking mm -hmm. about a few like you know recent weirdness and uh you know books we've been reading and that kind of thing uh and we'll yeah we'll get back soon to the uh more structured uh main episodes and interviews we've got yep. some really cool stuff for sure as i'm looking up. at some some interviews we have lined up for season two on the board very exciting yeah um for patreon we just wrapped up a an episode about Grey Barker's The Silver Bridge um, right. of the Mothman Canon. Uh, so that'll be up on there. Um, for our purposes today, I think we wanted to come come on and address uh, our regular listeners um, who are not part of the Patreon and give you a little interlude between seasons. Um, yep. Maybe talk about a few of the topics that we've been... Um, dancing around uh preparing for season two um some of the th directions we sort of want to go into um as well as discuss uh ben's favorite movie um which yeah. i just um watched the <laughs> other night alongside uh uh our our frequent guest um the seer mike bruno um, and maybe we could give a little <laughs> shout to his ongoing project that yeah. he's working on too, um, at the end of this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we could start with, uh, maybe some of the things that we've been talking about, um, in, in those aforementioned directions that we've been going in. Um, I know the, the early episodes of season one really focused a lot on ufology, the history of ufology. Right, yeah. And getting into um, the idea of how hoaxing um, has embedded itself in the 
mythology of the phenomena um, and how it sort of manifests into phenomena itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a like a feedback system of uh, like bullshit versus uh, I, like I don't like actual vision or something. Right. I mean, like it's it's really interesting because one of the things that we um, are are going to talk about in season two um, is is a book that I just completed called Libra Null um, by Peter Carroll, and uh, this is basically the chaos magic. Um, I wouldn't say it's the Bible of chaos magic, but it's right. kind of really where it begins. Like one book of the chaos magic Bible or something. Yeah. 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 It's definitely like the, uh, the book of Enoch say of the, <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. of, uh, of chaos wow. magic. Um, but one of the things that sticks out to me in there is how he talks about how when something manifests into physical reality, uh, it sort of has like a, a psychical other, um, and there's this constant feedback loop between the psychic and the physical. Mm. Um, and this really gets into, uh, the sort of chimeric gods that we explain these relationships through, um, as in Baphomet, as in Abraxas, um, Typhon of Kenneth Grant, yeah. um, who is also somebody we've been really really diving heavy into and uh i I really hope to go i don't like i think we'll do an independent episode about kenneth grant probably and and the the whole mauve zone right mythology that would Um, be a cool one to do an interview if we could find like a serious grant uh scholar or like yeah or i mean you know just because he's he's almost like someone you have to like teach yourself how to like understand He's kind of a peculiar. His systems are like so uh, weird. Yeah, he the way he has bridged um, the ceremonial magic and writings of Aleister Crowley, to which he was the prodigy of. I'm not sure how much Crowley wanted to pass it down, pass the torch to him, but obviously Grant. Right. took that torch either yeah, way anyway. <laughs> um grant was like his uh per, like kind of a personal secretary to crowley um so obviously he uh knew where the skeletons were buried so to speak he also knew um how to really get into the writings and what to extract from them um right, yeah and a lot of people when they talk about grant they kind of they concentrate on that aspect and they make it seem like He's sort of exploiting um, Crowley's mythos. Um, But I kind of think he expands on it in a really interesting way. Uh, Specifically, I'm thinking about Lamb. Um, Yeah. Lamb, who comes from... uh, Is is Lamb a product of the the New York working, right? I think... Yeah, I kind of forget at this point. That's... But, yeah. The Abermelon... Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Well, correct us if we're wrong. Yeah. What's the, what's the um the Loch Ness one? I forget. That might be Abermelon. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Either way. Um, it's, it's like teaching yourself a whole new language. Yeah. 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 We're doing a crossroads thing here, so we're kind of like right. We didn't really come with our research in hand, but um, yeah, the way that people kind of point out the fact that. Grant takes something like the character of Lamb, who, if you're not familiar, is sort of this entity 
who um, was channeled by Crowley um, in one of his workings. And um, Crowley did a drawing of Lamb, which kind of looks very much like the idea of the gray alien that we have today, this sort yeah. of um, um, oval oval-shaped head, um, large eyes. Uh, and it's interesting, too, in Grant's work, he points out um, that Lamb has the shape of the onk mm. on his head. And, and and Grant really has a knack for breaking down the symbolism of these things and also right. uh, importing uh, the Lovecraftian outworld yeah. uh, symbology into uh, the magical sphere of of let's say modern ceremonial magic, Hmm. which I think makes for a really interesting read. Um, Whether you gather it as a symbolic history, um, a mythological history, or some sort of actual encounters, um, whether it be psychical, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's really fascinating the way he chronicles um, the workings, the history of the workings and, the trajectories that were created through these workings from, you know, the Babylon working to the Abermelon and such. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. They're the whole, I guess the, the, the Typhonian trilogies are sort of like the nine major works of Grant. And they kind of are, they're not like exactly like exegesis writings on Crowley or Lovecraft. They're like somewhere, somewhere between like commentary on like on the writings of those two and like sort of creating his own certainly thing it's 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 a cool yeah. like uh yeah it's a cool genre like kind of in between genres yeah and his um his sort of methods for reaching these uh i wouldn't say altered states i would say these barrier zones of consciousness um where there's contact made with uh, non-human intelligences yeah um his his methods are kind of drawn from austin osmond spare right um, yeah that seems like a, a big influence on him for sure yeah. and he's a really interesting character as well um the death pose is something that i think is is also mentioned in Libra null has had a, a very lasting effect on a lot of um practitioners especially into the the more uh chaos magic realm um, right yeah, Spare is almost like a patron saint of like chaos magic. Mm-hmm. But he he's also like t- totally crucial to Grant's work as well. Um, but Grant's his his descriptions of like, uh, it's it's almost like he writes in in an inspiration of like the Inferno, you know, where there's like levels to right the um, these <clears throat> higher um, higher and lower. Uh, plateaus of um, of contact um, yeah for sure and and the way that he chronicles it through uh, these symbols and characterizes it is is really fascinating very descriptive very interesting yeah um, so so yeah uh, I guess we've been yeah we've been diving into grant a little bit Uh and then yeah he was someone i always kind of like orbited around without actually getting into the work too heavily just because the books are so expensive often (laughs) yeah way way overpriced for sure um or yeah maybe they're i guess it depends what you take from them (laughs) if they're accurately priced or not i I think they're amazing i just think like they're not 
actually is rare is they're being priced right and yeah, apparently yeah. there's a lot of like not to get into the weeds but there's a lot of people trying to sell them from what i understand and these people right, who yeah. are like selling them for really high prices are basically um blackballing these other people because nobody's really going to buy them for like 200 dollars a piece etc whatever um right yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing we have in front of us here is uh, Baphomet by Tracy Twyman and yeah. Alexander Rivera. This is a book we've spoken about in season one, um, something we aim to tackle in an episode in season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a fascinating text. Um, and ever since I think we both picked this one up and started reading about the history of this interesting figure um this interesting mythological figure baphomet uh his well i shouldn't even say his because it's not it's not really representative representative of uh it is what it is yeah (laughs) the symbol of baphomet um arises uh in a lot of other stuff noticeably i i recognized it coming out in liber null um where he talks a lot about the chimeric deities um of shamanism yeah. Um, relating a lot to uh, a sort of genetic history of other species, as well as um, manifesting the power of animals, um, in it, but also maintaining your human form. That's how you see these uh, anthropomorphic gods, um, mm. you know, a human body with an animal head and such. Um, right. And so you think Baphomet fits into that sort of lineage? For sure. Um, And there's, of course, um, Baphomet representing the um, sort of Gnostic bridal chamber where Mm. good and evil are sort of dissolved into uh, basically this thread that goes back to the undescribable realm of chaos, the Tao, um, the Pleroma. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I read the Baphomet book when it came out, and yeah, it's like a massive work of scholarship, which I think is not often. Well, yeah, it's not common, like for like, uh, um, more or less self-published. Like, yeah, it's like very rigorous. And, it's and dense. That's, that's what Twyman is sort of great for, even if she's come to be known as more of like a conspiracy writer. Uh, she really was kind of like a scholar of uh, mythology and religion. And that, I think that book shows that for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm also seeing a, a Rorik text in front of us here. And I know Rorik was something that we had mentioned doing in season one. And yeah, I would love to do talk about the Chintamani stone for an episode. Yeah, we should. Uh, we could. I mean, we should do a whole episode on Rorik and his kind of weird life and work. yeah his his mysticism his importance to uh america is sort yeah. of like the fa- the foundation of like mo- the modern is modern era in mm. america he's one of those like crucial background figures right um yeah he's wild and and the paintings are very beautiful beautiful too. yeah yeah um and what else are we gonna get into um Practical magic, shamanic herbs, gnomes. Yeah. All um, kinds of stuff coming up. Yeah. Hopefully get into a, a 
always touching on the hoaxing element of ufology. Um, right. And I think that's going to be big. Uh, well, depending on what comes out with, from like the whole Pentagon write up. Yeah. And how this whole sort of like disclosure fervor, uh, how it ends up, you know, either it'll like fizzle out or, I mean, you know, I think, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a, we're going to be having some uh, current events kind of interludes into our. Right new episodes um there's a lot of ufo news on the brink yeah um my new my new boss like on one of my first days just randomly in passing i didn't even like talk about any of this shit at all obviously um but she was like yeah there's ufos my husband says that there's ufos out there and he saw it on tv i don't know what's going on <laughs> it's just like everyone it's, yeah something's going on yeah here. it's weird yeah i'm yeah i'm a little paranoid and skeptical about it all, but <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah, it's a weird time. Um, right. It's weirder than when we last talked about UFOs with Adam Go Rightly. Yeah. Which yeah. is crazy that so much has happened in like two months. Two months. Yep. Um, a lot's going down. Yeah. A lot is going down. And I've, I've sort of been, I think like a lot of people tuned out of the political spectrum, just in the right. slumber of our current regime. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Soma. Yeah. I think that's what this was intended to be is the Soma presidency. Just like must be get I us mean, all yeah. nodding off. But there are some things going on there that I think are going to uh, make their way into our episodes as well. Mm. Certainly some uh, fifth gen warfare seems to be occurring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Weird, weird stuff going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it, it feels like the past like years, the past decade has just been like this crazy world war that's happening, but no one can see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of non-linear. And it's like happening now warfare. too, just like right under the surface. Um, yeah. There's like a, yeah. it's, um, I wouldn't say a global, but there's like a multifaceted cold war that's been going on right, for yeah. a long time. Um, yeah. I think we've also on the Patreon, we've been experimenting with some of those technologies we've been mentioning in previous right. episodes, um, we've been using the Ouija board, which is staring us down, and <laughs> we'll be using that again tonight um, yeah. for our Patreon listeners, uh, uh, asking some questions, generating some narrative involving our working. Um, we've been using uh, some spirit boxes, some uh, some strange radio technology, um, searching for some signals. Um, yeah some directions uh so yeah we hope to inc incorporate some more audio phenomena kind of stuff too um maybe we could do an episode just about uh highline's dead static which is something we mentioned a few times right yeah yeah um but yeah let's get into simon king of the witches yeah um, um today's topic for our brief uh interlude episode right that's uh yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, it's my favorite movie. Um, it's just <laughs> like this. Uh, it's so hard to like introduce too, because like really, it's like a, it's a campy, like late sixties, uh, like marketed as horror when it came out, but it's not a horror movie. It's like a. What would you? What was the genre like? Um, hard to say. Almost I mean, like an exploitation film, but like there's not enough like sexuality in it, but it like has that kind of production value. Yeah. It reminded me and, and there's a thread there too, but it reminded me a lot of the 
the war the films that Warhol had produced. Right. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood for Dracula, Flesh for Frankenstein, uh-huh. and even Trash a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and there is that thread because one of the actresses um, in the film, I think she plays oh, like right. the, ultraviolet. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she plays the Wiccan. Yeah. Priestess, the Wiccan priestess. Yeah. Which is a classic, uh, classic scene. Maybe a little. Speaking bit, of uh, which, I yeah. think they're conjuring Baphomet in that. Eh? They're. they're yeah, the goat of Mendes. Yeah, the goat of Mendes, which is right. relative. So it's the horned yeah. god. I yeah. mean, that's what it always goes back to. Uh, so it's it's a yeah, it's a movie about like a warlock who lives in a sewer, more or less, in Los Angeles in the late '60s. The the main character Simon is like, according to lore, probably based on Poke Runyon at the time, mm-hmm. who was like also a sort of wandering witch occultist dude uh probably didn't live in a sewer but maybe someone said he did and that like made its way into like the into the film script um yeah it's like a it's got all the like great um vibes and like the music's like very strange like kind of cool uh yeah what is that what what are you talking about it's a crazy movie. Um, yeah. Um, I loved it. Uh, yeah, I like a film, and it's rare. I mean, how many... Can, you could probably count on one hand the films about the occult that aren't, like, completely campy, supernatural horror films. Um, and this certainly has its elements of camp, but I think they're extremely yeah. tasteful. Right. You know, yeah. the, the abstractness of... Uh, the way that it conjures the use of ceremonial magic in the occult. Right. All the magic stuff is like, if not like a hundred percent accurate, at least like analogous and like tasteful. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting too, um, the way I don't think I'm giving a spoiler here, but like the, the sort of crux of the film is, uh, as is predicated on the conjuration, um, and offering to Moloch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that really gave me chills like that. But I mean, it was yeah. a really fun movie until that point, And then it was like sort yeah. of actually chilling. Yeah. That part's wild. The ramifications. Yeah. And it's a lot about, I mean, basically the, the plot of the movie hinges around, uh, Simon getting revenge on, um, <laughs> On this like sort of like high society the tastemaker, system. yeah, right, yeah. and and the system itself. Not even the tastemaker. It's it's the uh, it's the the police who are right. really like. But like they're all. It's like yeah. It's kind of like it has that kind of like conspiracy kind of vibe in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like yeah, the, the police and like he's kind of like with the, the corruption. The police chief's daughter like yeah plays a big role. The in DA. The movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, the DA. Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah, I've seen yeah, I've seen this movie like a lot of like probably 20 times. It's just like it's also like for some reason the, the like sort of aesthetic and like uh energy to it is very calming to me even though it's like got some really weird kind of jarring moments as well. I think it's done super well. I love the um I love the way that the malevolent sort of forces are portrayed by these yeah. like orbs you right know? yeah just like these energy fields really yeah they didn't try and like push the boundaries of uh 
like special effects. They like used about exactly what they had. It's also like they didn't, they knew better than to uh, anthropomorphize these, these entities, these forces, you know, they kept them abstract. Yeah. Like a glowing orb that floats and does things to the world is like kind of as close to the truth as you can get. I I think. Right. The indiscriminate forces that, uh, yeah. And they're just, there's so many good lines. The tides. Yeah. The the movie is just like full of, and whether or not you'll like the movie totally depends on your like level of interest in like, What's like pulpiness or like, like? I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it was that pulpy. I think anybody who's interested in the occult and has some sort of language for it right. would, would love this movie. Yeah, um, and like, and it's it's funny too. I think it's a funny movie, and and it's also yeah. I mean, it's, some of it has not aged well, <laughs> certainly, but like, <laughs> um, I feel like it's almost like kind of progressive for its for its time too, mm-hmm. in, in how it depicts. Uh, like, I don't know what the word, like poverty or something. Poverty, like, also like uh, the sort of rent boy prostitution. Right. Yeah, angle, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of it. Uh, and that comes, I think, from the director who did s- similarly sort of similar movies, but more about like, not about the occult. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Um. Yeah, it's just like... Uh, it takes you back to that like weird like the weird Los Angeles of the sixties that we'll never we'll never see. Um Right. Just hear about in these books we cover right. and stuff. Like pre Manson, but like just barely and all kinds of like witches running around. <laughs> People are probably so sick of the occult at that point, like it yeah, was probably the trend has like yeah. Yeah, it's really it's really an interesting movie and I wonder like I mean I feel like the people I mean it got like a a reissue like 10 years ago on DVD like remastered and stuff and I wonder if the appeal for most people is that it's kind of like this camp like witchy like weirdo movie or if like because I feel like it is also like a pretty profound like demonstration yeah. of the risks and also like benefits of like occult practice. Right, right. Yeah, I for mean, sure. It, it's a movie about reincarnation too, to uh-huh. a large extent. <laughs> like And honestly, like the intent of magic, yeah. Right. Yeah, and like I mean, you're given it's not like a movie that loops back on itself, like it doesn't have that kind of gimmick, but it's a movie that like you know, kind of ends with a, you know, ellipses. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. like room for like, you know, there was never a sequel. There was a novelization, which was common at the time. Um, follows the plot of the film almost not at all. It's more or less like a sleaze novel, like a like, <laughs> like a porn novel, with a like vastly different Simon as the main character. Like going th- like, it's a really strange book, but it's also you know essential for any fan of the film weird yeah the um the sequence through the mirror right. is incredible yeah i mean that's like uh really conjures a lot of the um experimental film stuff that was happening at the time yeah uh, for sure 
but in a very like tactful way uh, it, it feels like like kenneth anger a little bit almost sure yeah, yeah. or yeah. like yeah just like like where they're messing just a little bit with like kind of like psychedelic like visuals and then i mean mm-hmm. it goes full psychedelic too <laughs> like, yeah yeah it's ta- it's very tasteful though it's yeah like, it is it's it's almost original um because you see so much of that stuff yeah after a while when you're watching um a lot of experimental film you know and uh yeah this one still felt pretty uh what's the word i'm looking for novel it felt pretty novel yeah it's, uh uh, not to mention the uh, effluvial condenser. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Speaking that stuff's amazing. Effects. Yeah, That, like, and I don't know if that has any actual, like, correspondence within, like, actual magic, except for, like, some, like, vague idea of, like, fertility energy. And, right. Like, I yeah. mean, there's a lot of anecdotes in that film that are just, like, spot on, you right. know? But, like, he, like, he... It has this like weird like battery effect where he like literally like charges this bar of metal. Right. Um, it's <laughs> with like sort of yeah like I guess like a ritualized sex act like like the movie like plays so like flawlessly like campy and like weird and like retro but like when you kind of break down like the comp- the components of it it's like it's saying some very interesting things I think about, about yeah magic yeah. I can't really think of a a film about the occult that was more yeah in tune with like you know real aspects of ceremonial magic and stuff like right you know a lot of them just really t- concentrate or focus on um a few aspects of it and fictionalize it into a horror film a supernatural horror but like right this really like understood a lot of the practical <laughs> magical uses and the uh the components that go into workings totally. um and also like the history the relationship between wiccans and uh ceremonial ceremonial magicians yeah children of the night and uh day workers you know like right i kind of wonder like who like consulted on the film if, if this was all like sort of from the writer and the director like they were kind of just like pulling from like the the talk of the town at the time, or if there was like some sort of like really legit sort of consultant. It's it's just such an interesting uh, approach to it. Yeah, I was wondering if Polk actually right. was like straight up just the consultant yeah, on it. You yeah. know, and it, yeah, I mean Simon is kind of done up to like look like a young Polk Runyon. Too. Yeah, like, Polk Runyon rules. We're yeah, big fans. That guy's wild. Um, yeah. and it uh, it feels well. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, I have a hard time saying exactly what, except for everything we just said, what it is I, I like about the film, except that it, it feels like very like perfectly done for like for what it is. Yeah. You know what it kind of reminded me of a little bit, which is a film that's not exactly about, it's not about magic in the Western tradition, um, but The Last Wave by, I think it's by yeah. Weir the Australian director yeah. who made Picnic at Hanging Rock. Uh-huh. Um, his film, The Last Wave, is about uh, an attorney who is defending these Aboriginal people um, whose land is being encroached upon by like some corporation or, yeah. or, some, or the government or something. And um, he's having these prophetic dreams about a... Uh, a cataclysmic flood 
Um, okay, I have not seen this, but I, I've, I've heard of this. Yeah, and I've seen the, the picnic at Hanging Rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just kind of, it, I mean, that's like more of a serious film. It's not as yeah. like fun and jokey right. as Simon King of the Witches. Because Simon King of the Witches, like, I found myself laughing many right. times. Yeah. It's yeah. a very funny movie. Um, and it, it also has like a very modern sense of, or a very contemporary yeah. sense of humor. You I, know, I like, um, when the, the landlord's coming down the steps and Simon had drawn a pentagram on yeah. the wall and he oh, says, yeah. like, uh, I hope I didn't offend you, rabbi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just, yeah, it's very, uh. And then when he gets, when he's coming back in and getting arrested, he's like, rabbi, I yeah. hope you know this isn't based on prejudice. Right. Yeah. He's like, see, I'm not prejudiced. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh. Because, yeah, Simon gets a bad check. Anyway, um, it's, yeah, I love that movie. That's it's a like, great yeah, one. That's my favorite. Definitely, uh, I think all of our listeners would would supremely enjoy that flick for sure. Find yes. a way to watch it. Yeah, I think, I mean, last time I checked it was actually on YouTube. Like, not a great version, but. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do, I'm sure. Yeah, and I feel like it has some kind of weird subterranean connections to, like, <laughs> If not Grant, like that direction in magic, uh, yeah. especially Grant as a person who is trying to synthesize Lovecraft and Crowley and like tantric magic, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the, the the sex magic aspects of of Simon is like definitely yeah. There's a th- a thalemic um, element for sure in the sex magic ritual, and like Simon's willingness to like to appeal to Moloch over like. Yeah. A more or less like trivial affront. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, he lost his uh his shot. I won't right. I won't reveal that. I'll save yeah. that for the listeners. But um yeah, I mean I feel like not to always go down the Twin oh, Peaks references right. as true. well, yeah. but I also think that like there's no way that uh um Mark Frost didn't see and 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 liked this film. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I wonder if David Lynch saw it. But He's harder to nail down. He is, yeah. Uh, yeah. But Mark Frost must have seen it, yeah. It's, like, right in his wheelhouse. For sure. And that when there's, like, sort of the direct um, uh, lineages to, say, like, the Mauve Zone, there's direct lineages to Grant, there's direct lineages yeah. to Thelemic, um sex magic in yeah, Twin Peaks, I usually end up relating those aspects to frost because it's known that he's right totally interested in that stuff and writes about it in the secret history and all that yeah. stuff i mean lynch has an apparent interest in like these sorts of things but i think it's more through the like airier kind of like tm uh direction but i mean even, even more like yeah. just like uh psychology in general yeah know, archetypes I, and stuff i think you see it in like lost highway a little bit too um, yeah which is not you know that wasn't frost but right Lost Highway, definitely sure. Inland Empire. You see some, some just like the, I don't know if it's psychology or not, but just like the, like the the shifting of of perception, and like personhood, like people becoming other people right. so easily. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean that's yeah. almost like a, a sort of Baudrillard thing as well. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Although that's, I feel like a little more antiseptic than than, mm. than what Lynch does. Although you know, I I, I like Baudrillard, but yeah, yeah. You have that interchange of like personalities in in something like uh, American Psycho, which is right. supposedly uh, a very like Baudrillard uh, 
inspired work it what whether it be uh conscious or not but right i would think so getting off topic a little bit um but yeah um i think we can knot this up here um as a nice little uh between seasons interlude just to let our listeners know not to forget about us and we'll be back very soon we've been uh we've both been having a lot of uh personal life changes going on yeah um, metamorphoses for uh, sure um, we saw our first lightning bugs of the year tonight uh, in the backyard of CU headquarters um, <laughs> but rest assured we are working hard at scheduling um, all of our stuff for season two and squeezing it into our now yeah. busier both busier lives um, at yeah. this point but uh, we're going to make it work, and we're going to make it happen, and we should be uh, fully operational for season two in July. Yeah, so, mid-July, hoping yeah. to have some awesome interviews and more. We're going to be starting out with a banger, too. If that's yeah, going to be the... Yeah. I'm looking at the board right now. I won't reveal it, but if this is going to end up being the first episode of season one, this is like one of our fav- both of our favorite books that we've encountered yeah, recently. Yeah, awesome stuff, yeah. And I actually, yeah, I I like it so much. I just bought a a copy of it for somebody else. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh, More soon. Yep. Uh, Keep keep an eye on us because we'll be back soon. Uh, Thanks for listening as always.